العالمين صلى الله على سيدنا ونبينا ابي القاسم المصطفى محمد وعلى اله الطيبين الطاهرين لا سيما بقيه الله في الارضين اجل الله تعالى فرجه الشريف وجعلنا من اعوانه انصر we talked about the significance of zuhd and he said that it is a very crucial concept in any kind of spirituality even some people reduced whole spirituality to just zuhd but we don't believe that spirituality can be identified with zuhd but it is very important uh, but inshallah as we will see there are many other states who come after zuhd in arabic the term zuhd is opposite to the term raghba so zahida as a verb past tense verb is opposite to raghba of course zahida fi is opposite to raghba fi and we have raghba an which is equal to zahida depending on the proposition that you use zahida means not to have interest in something allah subhanahu wa ta'ala talks about prophet yusuf ala nabiyyina wa alihi wa salam that the people who bought yusuf when he was put in the well and you know they brought him out and out and then later they sold it allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says wa sharawhu bi thamanin bakhs darahima ma'duda they sold it just for few dirhams and you see how bad is this dunya <laughs> that a prophet of god can be sold with few dirhams and then allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says wa kanu fihim min az-zahidin even although they had paid just few dirhams they thought it is not good bargain kanu fihim min az-zahidin they didn't have that much interest so zahidin means they didn't have interest they were not very happy about this So zahida means not to have that much interest or not that much you know attachment to something this is the real meaning of zuhd so you may have something and still you might be zahid because you are not dependent on that you are not that much relying on that you may have nothing and still you are so much interested that you are not zahid as we said last night zuhd does not mean not to possess means not to be possessed allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in many verses of the quran refers to this concept of zuhd for example in surah taha number 131 says a'udhu billah minash shaitan rajim wala tamuddanna aynayka ila ma matta'na bihi azwajan minhum you know sometimes you see that people have something that you don't have for example they may have 
big house, good, you know, car, big company, lots of servants, good garden. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, if you don't have those things, and you see that there are people who have that, don't feel that you are in loss, you know, and always look at them with, you know, grief and, you know, sadness. Why I don't have this? Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, we have given them these worldly things, this is just to test those people. Because whatever you have, this is a very important point, it's only known to be ni'mah or ni'mah, to be a sort of grace or disgrace, when you know how good it is for you, how it works for you. The same thing, maybe ni'mah, maybe ni'mah. If I have, for example, children, many children, for example. If I have money, if I have reputation, if I have respect, whatever. No one can, by looking at these things, that these are ni'mah. This may be naqma. This may be not good for me. Why? Because it depends on my relation to these things. It depends how I am attached to these things. How I am using these things. How I can be accountable in a positive way, you know, for these things. So sometimes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us something and in the day of judgment, we wish we were never given that thing. When Qarun, you know, Qarun had lots of, you know, treasures. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, he had so many treasures that just carrying the keys of those, you know, treasure boxes was making a group of strong people very tired. Just carrying the keys was making a group of young men tired. It was not easy to carry the keys. So imagine how much money he must have had. So many people when they were looking at Qarun, they were, you know, very sad. Why we don't have, you know... These money like Qarun. They wish, you know, they could be like Qarun. But, when Qarun was punished by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, these people realized that this was not good for Qarun. And then they said, Why? They say, Oh, it seems that those who are not faithful, those don't have enough and a strong faith, just by having material things, they are not becoming happy. Then they realize that they were in mistake. They shouldn't have wished to be like Qarun. So, you cannot say, okay, because this man has, or woman has lots of things, so Allah has been necessarily more merciful to him than someone who doesn't have these. No. This is a matter of test. Sometimes you must be more thankful for the things that you don't have. Imam Sajjad says.
I don't know, should I be more thankful for the things that you have given me, or for the things that you have not given me? Because what is point in having things, and then being questioned for them, and being punished for them, if I don't use them properly? So Allah knows when to give, whom to give, and when not to give, or whom not to give. In a beautiful hadith, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, in this is a hadith of Qudsi, divine saying, there are some servants of mine that if I make them rich, I will spoil them. These people only when they are poor, they are good. It's only poverty that is good for them. If I make them rich, then I spoil them, I destroy them. And there are some people that when they are rich, they are good. But if they are poor, then they don't worship Allah, they don't obey Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So it depends. Some people when they are rich, they are good. Some people when they are poor, they are good. You know the story of that man who asked the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam for help to become you know, rich. And the Prophet gave him some money. And he used that money. And gradually he, you know, had... The chance to earn lots of money. But then, the more money he had, the less he attended to the mosque, the less he paid attention to his religious obligations. So, at first he started just come once a day to the mosque, then once a week. Then, maybe just in the nights of Qadr. So, the Prophet told him, give us back our money. And he said, okay, this is not important, it was very small money, but that was a blessed money. So, when he gave back the money, he again became poor. Then every day he was in the mosque, always waiting for the Prophet to come. So, sometimes people, when they are poor, it's better for them. Sometimes when they are rich, it's better. So, you cannot say necessarily poverty or richness is good or bad. So, it depends how you react, how you approach to these things. The concept of Zohd, as I said last night, can be better understood if we address three major areas in respect to those things which are prohibited, haram. In respect to those things which are disliked, makruh, and those things which are neutral, mubah, permitted, just permit. When it comes to haram, what does zuhd mean? Definitely zuhd means not to commit haram. Okay? For example, there is a money that doesn't belong to me. Or there is a money that the only way to get that money is to do haram, like usury. Okay? What does zuhd here mean? Not to take that money. But this is not enough. This is not zuhd. Zuhd means not to have interest in that money. Because sometimes, I don't, you know, 
go for haram. But in my heart, I am very sorry. I feel, you know, that I have lost something. I feel, you know, I am deprived. But it's important not to have interest in haram. This is more important than just simply not doing haram. Zahid is the one who has no interest in haram. This is very important. Then, when it comes to makruh, something which is makruh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has permitted, but He says it's better not to do it, for your own sake, for your own benefits. It's better not to do this. So, Zahid is the one who has regulated, who has directed his desires according to the will of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and pleasure of Allah. So when he sees that this is something disliked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, although this is not haram, but still Zahid tries to refrain or reduce it. Okay? Because this is makruh. When it comes to the things which are neutral, not good, not bad, for example, like for example, having lots of food, halal food, not haram food, halal food, from your own earning and, or from house of someone, he invites you, there is food, this food is halal. Okay? But Zahid doesn't, you know, eat that much. Why? Because although it is halal, but Zahid is the one who eats food because he wants to gain power. He doesn't have a special, you know, enjoy in the food. Sometimes they may even, you know, make food not taste very good so that they just eat the food for the power that they want to gain, not for just pleasure. You know, some of, for example, the people who are doing a spiritual practice, when they are, for example, very thirsty, they don't drink cold water. Because they say, for our body, we need water. But to be cool or warm or moderate, it's just my own pleasure. So I go just for warm water. Or, for example, you know, in summer, for example, you want to... It's water pillow, for example, to make you cool. But do you need to put it in freeze to become very cold? So sometimes these people, to gain control over their own desires, they don't put it in freeze. Okay? So they have this exercise of reducing the amount of pleasure that they gain from per- even permitted things, from mobile things, so that they can make sure that whatever they do is for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And you can reach a state in which you can be rewarded for everything. Because if you eat food for the sake of Allah, if you drink for the sake of Allah, if you sleep for the sake of Allah, if you speak for the sake of Allah, if you visit someone for the sake of Allah, or not visit for the sake of Allah, so whatever you do becomes ibadah. This is very important. Someone, this is what uh, uh, one of our 
teachers, you know, who was, who is, uh, alhamdulillah, he is Ayatollah, he's a big professor. He said, once a person visited a very pious Ayatollah, Alim, and that Alim had just, you know, been to washroom and then made wuzu and came out. So this man said, my father is now marhum. Could you please do something for his benefit? Some dua, something that has some reward for my father. He said, the reward for this going to washroom and making wuzu maybe for your father. He was shocked. What is the value of going to washroom and making? But he said, when I do this for the sake of Allah, even it may look very simple, but it has value and Allah rewards you for that. Everything small you do for the sake of Allah, it will become valuable. And if you do big things without good intention, it's useless. So this is the most important thing. What is your intention? Yeah? Sometimes you visit a person in the months of Ramadan because, you know, if you feel, you know, that if you don't go to visit him, it will make, you know, problems, he will complain, so on and so on. So you don't get any reward. But sometimes you say, I want to visit my mu'min brother or sister for the sake of Allah. You know how much reward you will be given? Sometimes a woman cooks and it always, you know, she's always, you know, sad. Why should I cook? This man brings lots of guests and makes problem for me. And maybe true. But if she is doing this, she may not get that much sabah. But she may say, okay, I do this and inshallah... Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will reward my father or mother or forefathers. So, she is doing the same thing. Just by having good intention, she will be rewarded. It becomes ibadah. Because you are anyway, you are doing that. So, it's better to have good intention. Otherwise, you have made efforts, but it is a loss. Nothing you gain. So, whatever we do, we buy something for our children. Okay, so I can just say, okay, I buy it simply, or I can say I buy for them, because these are to be encouraged, and by buying this for them, I want to make them more attracted to me, so that I can teach them better, I can educate them better, so it becomes about that. You can buy for them just without any reason, or you can buy for them, and you say, this is because you have been fasting. Because you have been saying your prayer. And I am not buying this because you have fasted. Allah will reward you. But I am giving you this because by fasting you have made me happy. Your reward is with Allah. But you made me happy, so I give you. So this same act can be an act of worship and useful. Or can be just spending money on your children without getting any Reward. So it's very important that Zahid tries to reduce the things which are just permitted and make everything something which is 
liked by Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, something pleasing Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. There is a hadith from Imam Sadiq alayhi salam. And this hadith tells us that we must be very careful about what we possess. Imam says, لَيْسَ الزُّهْدُ فِي الدُّنْيَا بِإِذَاعَةِ الْمَالِ وَلَا بِتَحْرِيمِ الْحَلَالِ Zuhd does not mean to waste your money. You say, okay, I am Zahid, so I let my property damage. I let my garden, you know, be ruined. This is not Zuhd. I am Zahid, so with the same, you know, suite that I go to, for example, you know, ceremonies, I sleep at home. So this is not Zuhd, that you are wasting your money. This is not Zuhd, to make something which is halal, haram. No. If you want to know what is the real sense of Zuhd, and la takuna bima fi yadaka awthaqa minka bima fi yadallah azza wa jal. If you want to see whether you are zahid or not, look at your heart. You cannot look at your you know, pocket or bank account to find whether you are zahid or not. Look at your heart. If Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells you something, He promises you to give something. Are you more confident or when you have that in your hand? Allah says, give this to this cause. I give you this reward. I give you this back. Are you more confident when Allah tells you that he will give you or when you have it in your hand? This is the meaning of Zohd. Zahid is the one who, when Allah guarantees something, he is more confident. Because when I have it in my hand, I don't know whether I can use it or not. You may have it, but you may not use it. Indeed, most of the things that people you know, earn, they are not going to use them. They are just leaving behind. Even, you know, the very, for example, food which is in front of you, before you. You don't know, maybe you cannot eat it. Who knows that you will be eating that? Maybe a guest comes and you have to offer. Maybe someone calls you and you have to go outside. The food remains, someone else comes and eats. Maybe you, Nauzubillah, die. Who knows? Someone wanted to challenge Imam Sadiq alayhi salam. So he said, I go and ask Ja'far ibn Muhammad. Whether this is my rezq or not. If he says yes, I threw it away. If he says no, I eat it. To challenge Imam Sadiq. So he asked Imam Sadiq, this is my rezq or not? Imam said, if you eat it, it is your rezq. If not, it's not your rezq. Yeah. So who knows? It will be known after, just when it goes. You know, when it finishes, you know. So there may be many things in my I am not using them. 
But with, if Allah says that I give you, I must be sure, I must be confident that I'm giving you. Unfortunately, when Allah guarantees something, we don't take it serious. When Allah says something, you must yourself earn, then we say Allah is going to give me. What? When it comes to rizq, Allah says, وَمَا مِنْ دَابَّةٍ إِلَّا عَلَى اللَّهِ رِزْقُهَا So he has guaranteed to provide you with rizq. Okay? But we say, no, I must myself work. I cannot rely on guarantee of Allah. Of course, I must work. But in the way that Allah is pleased with. But sometimes we work in the way that we think we are earning money. No, we are just making efforts. It's like a game. You have to play. But this is not because you have made, you know, these efforts. You have this. You just pretend that you are working and earning, you know. This is a game. In the end, it's in the hand of Allah whether to give or not to give. So Allah has guaranteed what we don't accept. But when it comes to akhirah, Allah says, you must yourself earn for your akhirah. But when we are relaxed. He said, no, you will give me. He says, for your akhirah, you must yourself work. For dunya, don't worry, I will give you. But for akhirah, you must work. But we may quite opposite. We say, for akhirah, I am relaxed. For dunya, I work hard. So this is not zuhd. Imam Ali alayhi salam says, Az zuhdu fid dunya kasrul amal wa shukru kull ni'mah wal wara'u amma haramallahu alayk. Zuhd means to try to reduce your unrealistic, you know, hopes and dreams. Why you always think about, for example, having things that you don't need? Why you want to have luxurious life? Try to reduce what you need. And be thankful to whatever you have. And valvara, try to be pious. Vara means piety. Be pious about what Allah has prohibited. This is Zahid. So Zahid is the one who is thankful, who doesn't have great ambitions about worldly affairs, and is pious. And vara is very important concept. Vara is like taqwa. But there is a difference. Taqwa means to protect ourselves from doing something which makes Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala unhappy with us. Okay? Wara means to do extra efforts so that you don't go near haram. This is wara. Because there are some things that you know for sure they are haram. So it's easier not to do them. But there, but there are certain things that are 
not very obvious to be haram. They are somehow, you know, vague, ambiguous. So, if you want to be a person who has vara and piety, you must be cautious. You cannot simply go for anything and say, okay, if it is not obvious haram, I do it. No, the result would be that you, whether like it or not like it, you will be involved in doing haram. For example, we know ghaybah, backbiting people, is very bad. Okay? There are certain cases in which you are not sure this is ghaybah or not ghaybah. What should a person who has vara do? Even in these cases which are not clear, we must refrain from. We must not do it. Why? Because when you are doing these things, it's very easy to finally be carried away and be involved in haram. There are certain, you know, meetings, discussions, you know, conversations that in the beginning, we don't know they are haram. But there is a possibility. You must leave them. In hadith, it says that it's like someone who goes near a prohibited area. You know, in the past, when shepherds, you know, they had, you know, their sheep, you know, or goats, whatsoever, there were certain areas, maybe still, you know, there is this uh, situation. Certain areas which are permitted, they can take their cattle. But there are certain areas that, for example, belong to the king. They cannot go to that area. If they go, their property will be confiscated or whatsoever. Okay? If you always walk on the edge and take your you know, kettle on the edge, it's very likely that some of these kettles go on the other side. So try to have some distance from that. So that you can be saved. Yeah? Always you must make some precautionary, you know, uh, efforts. Like, for example, when we say about wuzu. Okay? We say, for example, you must wash your face uh, at distance of this finger and this finger. But you cannot say, okay, I just do this. It's better to do, or sometimes say this, you must a little bit more from this side and more that side, so that you make sure that you have. For example, you calculate your homes, it becomes 100 pounds. It's better to give 110 pounds, so that you make sure that you have paid it in full. Huh? This is wara. A person who is pious makes all the necessary efforts so that he is sure that he will not be involved in haram. Otherwise, it's very easy. The great alim Mirza Jabad Agha Maliki Tabrizi, he was very pious man. And he was the one who was giving... Lessons in Akhlaq, in Qom, and Imam Khomeini used to attend, and many other scholars. And he 
was very much aware of what is happening. Once it said that he went to the room of one of Talabe after he finished his lesson. He went to the and such a great alam visiting someone must have a reason. Why not going to other rooms? And later he said last night when I was doing tahajjud I felt a special favor of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And I looked at myself, I realized that it was not because of what I was doing. Then I realized that this talabah is doing tahajjud and he's praying for me. So this is why I have come here to thank him. So they are so much aware of what is happening. This alim once was sitting with some people and they started to talk about someone. To, you know, say something bad about someone. As soon as, you know, he felt that they are entering the gray area, gray area, he stood up and left them and said, you delayed me for 40 days. This gray, you know, area, this approach and getting close to Ghaybah causes him 40 days loss. So he's now 40 days back. This is the sensitivity of the heart for those people. For us, relaxed. Even we commit, you know, tens of sins, we may not feel anything. Because in Farsi we say, As-siyahi rangi balatarnis. When there is something is black, you cannot make it more black. But when something is white, a small a spot. This is hadith. That heart is like a very white, you know, thing. If someone commits a sin, a black spot appears. If he repents, that will be removed. If he doesn't repent, that remains. Then if he commits sin, another black spot. Gradually, it will become completely black. But for people who are at high level of spirituality, not only they never commit sin, but just being busy with dunya make them feel some difference. And this is why the Prophet said, Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, My heart every day gets some smoke, not black spot. You know, like for example, you have very white dress, someone is smoking. We don't realize that chain, but if you put it under microscope, you see some smoke has affected. The Prophet said, because of, you know, getting involved with the people and talking to the people, some smoke comes to my heart. So every day I ask forgiveness 70 times to remove these smokes. 
So it's very important that we just not be concerned with refraining from haram. First of all, we must try to have no interest at all in haram. This is more important than not doing haram. Because if I don't do haram, but I love haram, sooner or later I will commit haram. But if, but if I have no interest in haram, this gives me a sort of immunity, a sort of protection. And then when it comes to the things which are not obvious, the things which may be or may not, I should try to reduce my encounter with them, my engagement in these things. And a very important thing is the social position. This is very important. Even this is more difficult than you losing your interest in money and, you know, position, you know, I mean, financial positions. Many people cannot stop loving money. But there are some people who can stop loving money. They cannot stop loving reputation and position. You know, they die for being appointed as, for example, leader or as, for example, you know, chairman, you know, any small position make them very happy. And we have in Hadith, The very last bad thing which goes away from the heart of the most truthful people is the love for respect and position among the people. This is the very last thing. It's very difficult to get rid of this. Just to work for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Whether I am a servant or I am the leader or the boss, it's not important. If I see as a, for example, volunteer, I can serve community better. I must not say, okay, why should I be volunteer? Let me be boss. No. I must see in what capacity I can better serve. Sometimes it becomes wajib to occupy high position. Then you must be prepared for that. Sometimes you feel that, no, there are enough people, but there is no one on the floor. I must work on the floor. Because the problem that we have normally is that we have many generals, but not enough soldiers. We have tens of you know, generals, but no soldiers. We need first to say, okay, you please become our general. We fully support you. But everyone must be, you know, wants to bring down who is there and then goes in place. This is very bad. And great ulama don't have such thing. Pious people don't have such thing. This is my last part. Once uh, in the time of Safavid, Shah Abbas was making a journey with Sheikh Bahai and Mirdamat, two great alim of the time. He wanted to see how much they love this worldly reputation and respect. Because, you know, once <coughs> there was two talabe, two, you know, mullah, two talabe, 
preacher in one village. So the person we say Kat Khoda, you know, the one who is in charge in village, what is called the chief of village, you know. So he went to that person and said, How is that man? He said rubbish. He has no knowledge, no piety, nothing. Don't listen to him. Don't say your prayer behind him. Then he went to the other one. He said, this man has no, you know, piety, no knowledge. Everyone said bad thing about the other person. He said, that is, for example, a donkey. He said, that is monkey. Very bad things. So what he did, he invited them to his house. And instead of putting food, he put some grass before them. So this is what you yourself said about each other. And we lay people have to follow you. You yourself, you know, introduce you. These Shah Abbas wanted to test. So they were riding on horse. And Sheikh Baha'i was ahead. Mir Damad was coming in the back. Mir Damad was... You know, fat and heavy. He went to Sheikh Bahai and said, Look at Mirdamat. He is so arrogant that as king comes, you know, in the end. Because king normally have some people who go in front of them. You see how arrogant he is. He doesn't come to be with you. And Sheikh Bahai said, No. He is such a great man that his horse has difficulty in moving. The horse is humbled by carrying such a great man. Then he went to Mirdamat. Said, look at Sheikh Bai. He has no sense of respect for companionship. He's hasting and, you know, going quickly. Doesn't wait for you. He said, no. His horse is so delighted that he's carrying such a big man that cannot stop. The horse is moving because it's very excited. Then he realized that these people work for the sake of Islam. If you see that in the time of Safavid, some of ulama had great positions, it was just because they wanted to promote mazhab of Ahlul Bayt. They were not after position. And you see that how in few decades they made the majority of the people of Iran aware about the school of Ahlul Bayt, and majority of people became Shia. But these people had moved from Lebanon, from Iraq, and Bahrain to Iran, in the time of Safavids. Most of the, these ulama. But in a matter of few decades, they changed everything. Why? Because of the piety, because of Zuhd. They were not saying to people, you must become, for example, you know, Shia, so that you give your homes to us. This was not their idea. Because we want you to obey us. No. They were working for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then they had the respect of people. They had obedience of the people. And this is what every time, alhamdulillah, when we look at the history of our ulama and marja'iyah, we see that alhamdulillah we have many, many examples in the past and in today. And inshallah, it will remain the same in future inshallah. وآخر دعوانا أن الحمد لله رب العالمين